section seven of a history of our own times volume one by justin mccarthy this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela nagami chapter three canada and lord durham part three still there can be no doubt that a less impetuous and impatient spirit than that of lord durham might have found a way of beginning his great reforms without provoking such a storm of hostile criticism he was it must always be remembered a dictator who only strove to use his powers for the restoration of liberty and constitutional government his mode of disposing of his prisoners was arbitrary only in the interests of mercy he declared openly that he did not think it right to send to an ordinary penal settlement and thus brand with infamy men whom the public feeling of the colony entirely approved and whose cause until they broke into rebellion had far more of right on its side than that of the authority they complained of could claim to possess he sent them to bermuda simply as into exile to remove them from the colony but nothing more he lent the weight of his authority to the colonial act which prescribed the penalty of death for returning to the colony because he believed that the men thus proscribed never would return but his policy met with the severest and most unmeasured criticism at home if lord durham had been guilty of the worst excesses of power which burke charged against warren hastings he could not have been more fiercely denounced in the house of lords he was accused of having promulgated an ordinance which would enable him to hang men without any trial or form of trial none of his opponents seemed to remember that whether his disposal of the prisoners was right or wrong it was only a small and incidental part of a great policy covering the readjustment of the whole political and social system of a splendid colony the criticism went on as if the promulgation of the quebec ordinances was the be-all and the end-all of lord durham's mission his opponents made great complaint about the cost of his progress in canada lord durham had undoubtedly a lavish taste and a love for something like oriental display he made his goings about in canada like a gorgeous royal progress yet it was well known that he took no remuneration whatever for himself and did not even accept his own personal travelling expenses he afterwards stated in the house of lords that the visit cost him personally ten thousand pounds at least mr hume the advocate of economy made sarcastic comment on the sudden fit of parsimony which seemed to have seized in lord durham's case men whom he had never before known to raise their voices against any prodigality of expenditure the ministry was very weak in debating power in the house of lords lord durham had made enemies there the opportunity was tempting for assailing him and the ministry together many of the criticisms were undoubtedly the conscientious protests of men who saw danger in any departure from the recognized principles of constitutional law eminent judges and lawyers in the house of lords naturally looked above all things to the proper administration of the law as it existed but it is hard to doubt that political or personal amnesty influenced some of the attacks on lord durham's conduct almost all the leading men in the house of lords were against him lord brougham and lord lyndhurst were for the time leagued in opposition to the government and in attack on the canadian policy lord brougham claimed to be consistent 
he had opposed the canada coercion from the beginning he said and he opposed illegal attempts to deal with canada now it seems a little hard to understand how lord brougham could really have so far misunderstood the purpose of lord durham's proclamation as to believe that he proposed to hang men without the form of law however lord durham may have broken the technical rules of law nothing could be more obvious than the fact that he did so in the interest of mercy and generosity and not of tyrannical severity lord brougham inveighed against him with thundering eloquence as if he were denouncing another sejanus it must be owned that his attacks lost some of their moral effect because of his known hatred to lord melbourne and the ministry and even to lord durham himself people said that brougham had a special reason for feeling hostile to anything done by lord durham a dinner was given to lord grey by the reformers of edinburgh in eighteen thirty four at which lord brougham and lord durham were both present brougham was called upon to speak and in the course of his speech he took occasion to condemn certain too zealous reformers who could not be content with the changes that had been made but must demand that the ministry should rush forward into wild and extravagant enterprises he enlarged upon this subject with great vivacity and with amusing variety of humorous and rhetorical illustrations lord durham assumed that the attack was intended for him his assumption was not unnatural when he came in his turn to speak he was indiscreet enough to reply directly to lord brougham to accept the speech of the former as a personal challenge and in bitter words to retort invective and sarcasm the scene was not edifying the guests were scandalized the effect of brougham's speech was wholly spoiled brougham was made to seem a disturber of order by the indiscretion which provoked into retort a man notoriously indiscreet and incapable of self-restraint it is not unfair to the memory of so fierce and unsparing a political gladiator as lord brougham to assume that when he felt called upon to attack the canadian policy of lord durham the recollection of the scene at the edinburgh dinner inspired with additional force his criticism of the quebec ordinances the ministry was weak and yielded they had in the first instance approved of the ordinances but they quickly gave way and abandoned them they avoided a direct attempt on the part of lord brougham to reverse the policy of lord durham by announcing that they had determined to disallow the quebec ordinances lord durham learned for the first time from an american paper that the government had abandoned him he at once announced his determination to give up his position and to return to england his letter announcing this resolve crossed on the ocean the dispatch from home disallowing his ordinances with characteristic imprudence he issued a proclamation from the castle of st louis in the city of quebec which was virtually an appeal to the public feeling of the colony against the conduct of her majesty's government when the news of this extraordinary proclamation reached home lord durham was called by the times newspaper the lord high seditioner the representative of the sovereign it was said had appealed to the judgment of a still rebellious colony against the policy of the sovereign's own advisers of course lord durham's recall was inevitable the government at once sent out a dispatch removing him from his place as governor of british north america lord durham had not waited for the formal recall 
he returned to england a disgraced man yet even then there was public spirit enough among the english people to refuse to ratify any sentence of disgrace upon him when he landed at plymouth he was received with acclamations from the population although the government had prevented any of the official honour usually shown to returning governors from being offered to him mr john stuart mill has claimed with modest firmness and with perfect justice a leading share in influencing public opinion in favour of lord durham lord durham he says in his autobiography was bitterly attacked from all sides inveighed against by enemies given up by timid friends while those who would willingly have defended him did not know what to say he appeared to be returning a defeated and discredited man i had followed the canadian events from the beginning i had been one of the prompters of his prompters his policy was almost exactly what mine would have been and i was in a position to defend it i wrote and published a manifesto in the westminster review in which i took the very highest ground in his behalf claiming for him not mere acquittal but praise and honour instantly a number of other writers took up the tone i believe there was a portion of truth in what lord durham soon after with polite exaggeration said to me that to this article might be ascribed the most triumphal reception which he met with on his arrival in england i believe it to have been the word in season which at a critical moment does much to decide the result the touch which determines whether a stone set in motion at the top of an eminence shall roll down on one side or on the other all hopes connected with lord durham as a politician soon vanished but with regard to canadian and generally to colonial policy the cause was gained lord durham's report written by charles buller partly under the inspiration of wakefield began a new era its recommendations extending to complete internal self-government were in full operation in canada within two or three years and have been since extended to nearly all the other colonies of european race which have any claim to the character of important communities in this instance the victa causa pleased not only cato but in the end the gods as well lord durham's report was acknowledged by enemies as well as by the most impartial critics to be a masterly document as mr mill has said it laid the foundation of the political success and social prosperity not only of canada but of all the other important colonies after having explained in the most exhaustive manner the causes of discontent and backwardness in canada it went on to recommend that the government of the colony should be put as much as possible into the hands of the colonists themselves that they themselves should execute as well as make the laws the limit of the imperial government's interference being in such matters as affect the relations of the colony with the mother country such as the constitution and form of government the regulation of foreign relations and trade and the disposal of the public lands lord durham proposed to establish a thoroughly good system of municipal institutions to secure the independence of the judges to make all provincial officers except the governor and his secretary responsible to the colonial legislature and to repeal all former legislation with respect to the reserves of land for the clergy finally he proposed that the provinces of canada should be reunited politically 
and should become one legislature containing the representatives of both races and of all districts it is significant that the report also recommended that in any act to be introduced to this purpose a provision should be made by which all or any of the other north american colonies should on the application of their legislatures and with the consent of canada be admitted into the canadian union thus the separation which fox thought unwise was to be abolished and the canadas were to be fused into one system which lord durham would have had a federation in brief lord durham proposed to make the canadas self-governing as regards their internal affairs and the germ of a federal union it is not necessary to describe in detail the steps by which the government gradually introduced the recommendations of lord durham to parliament and carried them to success lord glenelg one of the feeblest and most apathetic of colonial secretaries had retired from office partly no doubt because of the attacks in parliament on his administration of canadian affairs he was succeeded at the colonial office by lord normanby and lord normanby gave way in a few months to lord john russell who was full of energy and earnestness lord durham's successor and disciple in the work of canadian government lord sydenham best known as mr charles poulett thompson one of the pioneers of free trade received lord john russell's cordial cooperation and support lord john russell introduced into the house of commons a bill which he described as intended to lay the foundation of a permanent settlement of the affairs of canada the measure was postponed for a session because some statesmen thought that it would not be acceptable to the canadians themselves some little sputterings of the rebellion had also lingered after lord durham's return to this country and these for a short time had directed attention away from the policy of reorganization in eighteen forty however the act was passed which reunited upper and lower canada on the basis proposed by lord durham further legislation disposed of the clergy reserve lands for the general benefit of all churches and denominations the way was made clear for that scheme which in times nearer to our own has formed the dominion of canada lord durham did not live to see the success of the policy he had recommended we may anticipate the close of his career within a few days after the passing of the canada government bill he died at cowes in the isle of wight on july twenty eighth eighteen forty he was then little more than forty-eight years of age he had for some time been in failing health and it cannot be doubted that the mortification attending his canadian mission had worn away his strength his proud and sensitive spirit could ill bear the contradictions and humiliations that had been forced upon him his was an eager and passionate nature full of that saiwa indignatio which by his own acknowledgment tortured the heart of swift he wanted to the success of his political career that proud patience which the gods are said to love and by virtue of which great men live down misappreciation and hold out until they see themselves justified and hear the reproaches turn to cheers but if lord durham's personal career was in any way a failure his policy for the canadas was a splendid success it established the principles of colonial government there were undoubtedly defects in the construction of the actual scheme which lord durham initiated and which lord sydenham who died not long after him instituted the legislative union of the two canadas was in itself a makeshift 
and was only adopted as such. Lord Durham would have had it otherwise if he might, but he did not see his way then to anything like the complete federation scheme afterwards adopted. But the success of the policy lay in the broad principles it established, and to which other colonial systems as well as that of the Dominion of Canada owe their strength and security today. One may say with little help from the merely fanciful that the rejoicings of emancipated colonies might have been in his dying years as he sank into his early grave. End of section 7